0: Well, I'm going to move into today's message. Uh, uh, It's kind of part three of our kingdom come. It'll be in Matthew 5, 17 to 20. And so we've been looking at uh, what's referred to as the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, Jesus is sharing on a mountain to his disciples and those who are listening. And we learned about the Beatitudes, being blessed in certain things. that oftentimes looks different than the things we think of with the word blessed. And Glenn did a great job opening the message in the series then. As well as last week being sought and light in the world. What does that look like? I'm hoping that this past week we've had opportunities to be salt and light in the world around us. But today we'll be looking about Jesus talking specifically about the law and he's referring to the Old Testament about how he didn't come to actually abolish it but to fulfill it. And so in a couple minutes we'll be looking at a video that will help us kind of have like a really cool back history to the moment we're about to experience when Jesus is sharing this on the Sermon on the Mount but before we get there, I wanted to just share a quick story. Um, so, as many of you know, I grew up in Connecticut and New Hampshire. And when I was in New Hampshire, probably in high school, um, I was reading uh, the series I was, I'm not necessarily recommending to read it. It's an end time series, but I was like hooked on it. Someone gave it to me. But it was called Left Behind. And it was about uh, Jesus coming back and everyone being raptured. It's a fictional thing. And, uh, anyways, I would read it like all the time. I'd read it. Like all night, my mom would be like, "You need to go to bed, Jim." And then I would like whip out the like flashlight and read. So obviously that's yes, disobedience. Don't do that, kids. Um, you should obey, right? Uh, but I was just like, I was just reading it, reading it. And you ever read a book so much that you actually start thinking that maybe it's real? Like you forget where, like you know, you're just so absorbed. Yeah, I see some heads now. You're just like, is this a real? You wake up. I think I don't know. I spent all night reading it. Anyways, so part of it was about the book that uh, that Jesus came back and a rapture, and there's people that were left, and there's all this crazy stuff going on or whatever. And so one morning, uh, hold on, Chris, one morning as I was uh, uh, just, like, waking up, uh, (laughs) I woke up, and I saw my brother Dave, and he was sleeping, so I'm like, this is good. Um, And so I walked downstairs, and I noticed that, like, my mom wasn't there, my dad wasn't there. Now, my dad, he would go to work every morning, so that's, like, not uncommon, but the thing that was throwing me off was both my mom and dad's cars were in the driveway. That was throwing me off. So I was like, but my parents weren't in the house. That was throwing me off. And for some reason, I'm not kidding, like, they had beautifully, like, folded clothes at the end of the, I'm not making this up, at the end of the, so someone decided to do laundry at the end of the beds, and you guys are seeing where this is going. Been reading this book like crazy, hundreds of pages, you know, I'm like, oh man, me and my brother, we've been left behind. <laughs> no, I'm not kidding at all. I'm like, yeah, I mean, it makes sense that my brother Dave's here, but why am I here? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, I'm like, why? I'm like, man, we must have like, messed up. My parents, obviously, godly parents, they've gone, and they even took our, you know, chocolate Labrador retriever to heaven or something, I guess. I'm like, well, I'm like, what's going on? Anyways, I was so afraid and fearful, because I literally thought, like, I'd just been left behind, and all chaos is about to break out. And here I am, like, you know, in high school without any parents. And uh, so I sat on the couch in the living room. I just started praying, I'm like, God, I'm just, I must be such a wicked person. Like, Lord, I will commit to reading the Bible. Like, obviously, this is why you left me behind. Uh, my works of righteousness are low, and you left me here. I get it. So, Lord, I will read the Word. I'll read the Bible. I'm committing as a high schooler to read the Bible here, right? I found out that my parents actually went out on a walk. Um, <laughs> my dad, I guess, was going into work late. But I really thought I'd been left behind. Anyways, that prompted me out of fear, to read the Bible as a high schooler for six months straight. That's pretty good. So if you've got some high schoolers here, that's pretty good. Six months straight, reading the Bible every single day. starting started in Genesis. I'm like, I just got to get in the Word, whatever. I'm not going to be left behind again, right? Got to be on top of it this time, you know. I uh, can't be left behind. But it, it, was, it was really out of fear that drove me there. And I was thinking about today's message, and we're going to be talking about the law and what that means and obeying and teaching all that kind of stuff. I felt like the Lord was really wanting to encourage me and to us that the Lord delights in us, right? That we're not orphans. We just sang it this morning, right? We're children of God, amen? And that he desires us to delight in him and to obey his commandments out of love not out of fear. Fear can immediately get a response, right? If you use fear in a relationship, you can get a response. Guilt can do that too, but Jesus isn't looking to see us be guilted into following after him, right? Or to be fearful in a sense of like, even though we're supposed to have a reverent fear for the Lord, but just fear lacking love for him. He wants us to love him and to delight in his word. This morning as we were praying for the service, uh, someone mentioned that Maybe we just feast, you know, on the Lord together, on God. And I'm just like, yeah, let's do that. There's so many things that we try to kind of whet our appetite with, and we hope that they'll satisfy on this planet. But as we know, the Lord has given us an eternal longings that no temporal uh, person or even material can fill. And so we're going to be looking at the law of God, and we're going to look at a little back history on this and I love this video Glenn actually said hey man maybe you want to show this video and I watched it I was like this is really helpful They get to see this whole idea of the law the prophets the Old Testament now Jesus on the scene talking about fulfilling that what does that really look like in this sense of the whole you know kind of history of uh, creation as well as in scripture so at this moment I believe we'll be able to watch a video that will teach us about more about the law and the context that Jesus is in by the Bible project so let's check that out together
1: You are most likely familiar with the Ten Commandments in the Bible, stuff we generally take as good advice. Don't murder, don't steal, honor your parents, the list goes on.
2: And those are just the first ten. There are actually a total of 613 commands, all given to ancient Israel, found in the first five books of the Bible, which in Hebrew are called the Torah.
1: Now, the word Torah is usually translated in English as the law because it has all of these laws in it. And as you read through them, you wonder, Am I supposed to obey some of these, all of these? I mean, what is the purpose of
2: the law? Well, that translation is kind of confusing because while the Torah has laws in it, the book itself is fundamentally a story about how God is creating new kinds of people who are fully able to love God and love others. And when Jesus taught about the Torah, he said that he was bringing that story to its fulfillment. So, walk me through the story and how it is fulfilled. So, the story begins with God creating humanity who rebels. And God chooses Abraham to bless all of the nations through his family who end up in slavery down in Egypt and so God rescues them. Then at Mount Sinai, God makes a covenant with Israel like an agreement. And all of the laws that Moses gives to Israel are the terms of that agreement. They are like a constitution. And so, some of the laws are about rituals and customs that set Israel apart from the nations. Other laws are about social justice or morality, and by following these, Israel would show the other nations what God is like.
1: Okay, so the rest of the Torah is just the complete list of laws that Moses gives Israel.
2: Mm, no, the rest of the Torah just continues the story, and the six hundred and thirteen commands are only a selection from that original constitution. And even these have been broken up and placed at strategic points within the story. Now pay attention because you will see a really clear pattern. Moses gives the first laws to Israel. Don't worship other gods, don't make idols. And then right after that there is a story of Israel breaking those very laws. Yeah, they worship the golden calf. And so Moses gives some more laws and then you get more stories of rebellion. Some more laws, rebellion again, some more laws, more rebellion and you start to see the point. Right, no matter how many laws, they are just going to continue to rebel. So at the conclusion of the Torah's story, Moses gives this final speech to Israel as they prepare to go into their new home. And he tells them, you guys, I know that you are not going to follow all of God's laws. You have proven to me that you are incapable. And Moses says the problem is that their hearts are hard and that they are going to need new transformed hearts if they are ever going to truly follow God's law. And he was right. I mean the story goes on to recount Israel's total failure. They go into the land, they break all the laws. Right. Now, the next section of books in the Jewish tradition are the 15 books of the prophet and they reflect back on the story. For example, Ezekiel, he said that if Israel was ever going to obey the law, God's spirit would have to transform their hard hearts into soft hearts. And Jeremiah said that is when obedience to God's commands wouldn't feel like a duty, but they would be written deep in their hearts. And Isaiah, he promised a future leader, Israel's Messiah, who will lead all of the people in obedience to the law. Now, in Jewish tradition, all of these books together are called the prophets, even the historical books, because they are continuing the story told from the perspective of the prophets. Okay, so we have the law and the prophets, and they are telling
1: one connected story about God's desire to bless the whole world through a people, Israel,
2: who it turns out needs a new heart. Yes, and Jesus saw himself as continuing that story. So, he agreed with the law and the prophets when he taught that it's out of the human heart that come the most ugly parts of human nature. It's like the default setting of our hearts is opposed to God's law. But Jesus also said that he came to solve that problem, and in his words, to fulfill the law. So, what does he mean there, to fulfill the law? Well, first, he said that the demand of all of the laws in the Torah could be fulfilled by what he called the great command that we are to love God and to love others. So, that seems Pretty easy. I mean, we all want to love. Well, we think we want to love. But Jesus showed how love is far more demanding than we realize. So he quotes the law, do not murder. And he says, yes, not killing someone is a very loving thing to do. But then he also says that when you treat someone with disrespect or when you nurse resentment against them, you are also violating God's moral ideal because you are not treating that person with love. And so Jesus said true love ought to extend even to our own enemies. So even though this command seems very simple, Jesus showed how our hearts are not currently equipped to fulfill even this basic command of God to love others.
1: And that is kind of
2: a downer. But where Israel failed, Jesus brought this story to its fulfillment. As Israel's Messiah, he fully loved God and others. And he showed all of the nations what God is truly like. He did this through his acts of compassion and mercy and ultimately by loving his enemies even unto death. And after his resurrection, he told his followers that he would send God's spirit to transform their hearts so that they could follow him and fulfill the purpose of the law, to love God and to love their neighbor. So this fulfills the story of the law and the prophets, or in the words of the Apostle Paul, the one who loves fulfills the law.
0: Great, thanks Digital Missions. Uh, what, a, what a helpful video. I found that super just Summary. Because we're going to get there. We're looking at just a couple verses this morning, and then uh, we're going to spend some time in, uh, on our tables and small groups, uh, having time just kind of unpack. How does this? Uh, how does it apply to our life? How could we apply God's word? We want to be both hearers and doers, and we want to understand God's word. But Lord, through Your Spirit, through Your grace, could we apply it together? And for those online, I do want to make mention that we will also have an option for uh, doing a small group together, which I'll be leading. So if you're available, love to do that in just a couple of moments. But first, let's get to our passage. It's just a couple of verses, and then uh, just some thoughts, and then we'll get into our small groups together. So once again, we're in Matthew 5, 17 to 20, and, uh, and this is Jesus uh, speaking in verse 17. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. That's just what we were learning about. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly I tell you, until heaven and earth disappear... For I tell you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. Let's take a moment to pray. Heavenly Father, I just thank you so much for your word. God, I thank you how you speak life to us. God, this is the best part of our time together, Lord. It's when we get to hear scripture earlier and scripture again. God, my words will fade. Our words will fade. but Your word will never fade. So God, help us to... Understand, learn more, and God, through your Spirit, be able to apply what you have for us today so we might be able to glorify you both here and throughout the week. In Jesus' name, amen. So, with the video background, having the law and the prophets, we have a really good understanding, I think, or basic understanding of what Jesus is referring to. He's not come to abolish it, but to fulfill it. And he talks about the smallest piece, even the letter, the smallest letter, the smallest piece of the letter will not go away. That Jesus is here to uh, fulfill that. But as we're looking at this, we see that Jesus, his purpose was the fulfillment. But then we also see Jesus' uh, encouragement or warning for those who are listening about two different options that we might take when it comes to the law. In verse 19, once again, it says, therefore, anyone who sets aside one of the least of these commands, setting aside at least of these commands, and teaches others accordingly who will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. So, as we'll be going to a small group soon, that'll probably be a, a thought or a question. But those who are least in the kingdom of heaven, Jesus uses that phrase in different pieces throughout the Sermon on the Mount, or who will be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. This is what we see as the least example. But those who are called great are those who practice. So, we see the law, practice. And once again, Jesus, you'll see this all throughout Scripture. And it's an area I'm personally trying to grow in a lot more is those who practice or obey what God says, right? Not just knowing about it, but those who practice and teach these commands will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. And then Jesus gives us example, which when you're reading it at first, and I was looking at it, I was like, huh. I was like, is this even possible? And for those maybe not familiar with this passage or maybe the wording with the religious leaders, he's saying unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. And at that time, the Pharisees and the religious leaders and the Sadducees, uh, a lot of them thought pretty highly about their righteousness. And uh, boy, did Jesus have some strong words for them, right? <laughs> Jesus was super compassionate and loving towards the outcasts, the broken, the sinners, the poor, the orphans, those who are, who are stranded and have no resources those who were sick. I love that one part I was reading just, I think, yesterday or two days ago. Was, uh, there was a group of people who had uh, leprosy, a skin disease condition, and they were, they were the outcasts. They literally had to stay away from everyone else because it was so contagious. And uh, they had to say, you know, unclean. They were like, literally, like, you, you just pretty much are going to suffer and die alone in a leopard community. And I love that this one leopard came to Jesus and says, if you will, <laughs> will you heal me? And to see the compassion of Jesus. Now, nobody would touch a leper, but it says in scripture that Jesus reached out his hand and he touched him, right? The leper's not healed yet. Jesus touched what most people, especially religious people, would call untouchable. He touched this person and then he says, I do well. You are healed. And immediately the leprosy was gone. Is that not amazing, right? So that's Jesus' kind of compassion. The people that oftentimes are avoided. I was recently. Uh, uh, reading about a pastor in California and uh, in his ministry, they just, they hug people that most people don't hug. And so they're out on the street and they're hugging homeless, they're hugging people that are coming out of prison, uh, those who are in a, uh, in a place addicted to drugs. Uh, one, one way he said it, which is kind of gross, I know, but he's like, it's like we hug people that for some people have uh, different challenges, you know, they have like several days of like feces in their, in their clothes. And those are the people that we hug. Those are the people that we love. And I was really touched by that in a way of like, wow. But when I thought about it, I'm like, doesn't that sound just like Jesus, right? Doesn't that sound just like Jesus? He loves the people that oftentimes are not, well, definitely not clean or fit, tidy. He loves the broken and the caring. We have such a loving God. I love how the video said that the summary of the law is to love God and love people. But when it came to the Pharisees, they did the opposite of that. They wouldn't be with the clean they would value themselves higher by grand prayers and gestures of sacrifice, of showing off when they give financially or serve the poor. They want public recognition of that. So when Jesus is saying, "For I tell you that unless your righteousness surpasses the Pharisees and the teachers of the law," those It's actually what what, what he's saying is it's, it's literally impossible. We see that right in the Old Testament. It's impossible to succeed that because honestly, even what they're doing, they fall short because they're externally doing works of righteousness. But internally, Jesus sometimes would call them whitewashed tombs. Pretty strong wording. Jesus, I, I need your righteousness. I hope you're feeling a little inadequate right now. I know I did reading this. I feel very inadequate, which is wonderful that Jesus came to die for our sins and to impute and give us his righteousness. Amen? It's his righteousness. The, the word for that is a bigger word, justification, that we are justified completely. Jesus works on the cross and not our own and out of that we can do good works like obeying and practicing like Jesus says his laws and his commands and so if you're at all in the place this morning where you're feeling like man really messed it up I'm glad you're here but you're feeling like internally or externally you've done a lot of things that you feel like you're very far I just want you to know Jesus loves caring for the broken He has great compassion for you today. For those watching online, he has great compassion for you today. And uh, we don't have to do works of righteousness to be loved. We don't have to read the Bible for six months straight out of fear and hope that our Heavenly Father will not forget us. He loves each one of us. And out of that is the motivation, the heart, to want to love God and to love others. And only in Christ can we have the righteousness that surpasses the Pharisees because he's the only one who is able to do that. So we're going to transition this moment just to talk a little bit about this. It's just a couple of verses. Um, but we're going to spend... Yeah, oh, great. Yeah, we're doing good time. We're going to spend uh, 20 minutes uh, just looking at a couple of questions. And thanks for being so flexible with us. I know this is a new service format, a seating format. Uh, some of you might be like, ah, new things. I love this. Others might be like, oh I missed the chairs and rows or whatever. And uh, just thanks for being really flexible. But we're really hoping to grow as a community together as we pursue Jesus. But also get to have time to... To be like, just to be honest, I've read so much scripture that I've not applied. I'm just being really honest. I've read so much scripture. I have seven years of religious training. I read the Bible all the time, almost every day. But when it comes to obedience, at least for me, I got some areas to grow in. Meaning when I read scripture, Jesus holds us accountable to the scripture we know, not to the scripture we don't know. And so we just want to pause and slow down a little bit and be like, Lord, what might you want to speak to me today? So the, for those online, I believe we'll have a phone number and a Zoom link jumping on the screen somehow. The Digital missions crew is awesome. And I'm going to go over to the computer and the Digital missions uh, group. If you're at home and would like to call in, here's the number. Or you can also hit the link in the chat, and if you have a Zoom app or whatever, it will pop up. For those who are here we'll be looking at, and online, we'll be looking at these questions. And on, they're on the back of the Kingdom Opportunities handout. So you'll see here there's an acronym, HOPE. I've mentioned this a couple of weeks ago. It's a helpful way just to kind of, you know, might guide you. I use this for my personal quiet time devos. But what we've already done, if we've heard God's word. We've learned a little bit about it through the video. I made a couple observations. But what we're focusing on in our group time together is, out of the HOPE, it's the put into practice piece and then encourage someone. And as I was reading this week, I came across an acronym that might be helpful for some of us. For some of us, we're like, oh yeah, maybe you're, you're way along the journey. You know, you read the Word of God and you seek to apply it and that's just your, you just go there. And we have seasoned, you know, brothers and sisters of Christ, you're there. But for some of us, you might look at a passage like this or any passage like, well, how do I actually apply it? Well, here's an ec- acronym, I know it's another one, called SPEC, which might help you in maybe finding out how can I apply the specific text you're reading today or any text. So I'll just break it down. So the S stands for, is there a sin in this passage to avoid? So as you're at this passage, you can think about that. Uh, P, are there any promises or prayers in this passage? So once again, some of these will apply to this passage. Some of them won't. Is there an example we could follow? Is there a command to obey? Is there a knowledge to retain? So that's spec. And I thought, oh, that could be helpful for maybe some of us for even looking at that. So we're going to spend the next uh, 20 minutes having time at the table. I'm going to go online. Just a reminder, if you're like me and you would like talk, like to talk a lot, just be mindful that maybe talk less. Or Jim, talk less. My wife would be like, amen. Mm, Lord is working in that church this morning. I see it online. But for some of us, maybe you talk a little bit less, but maybe uh, for, the, for us who talk a lot, let's make space for those who talk less to have something to share. Are you with me? Because we, the idea is like we're a body. It's not just the one person here. It's not the six people on stage. All of us are part of the body of Christ. Amen. All of us, because of Christ, are heirs and co-heirs with Jesus, and if Christ is in you, Spirit of God is in you, you have things to edify and build up people in your group with, and vice versa, so I'm encouraging talkers, talk less, those who don't talk as much boldness and bravery for you uh, to, to talk and to edify one another, so let's take 20 minutes, we're just going to pray and we'll go, God, thank you so much, Lord, for your word, speak to us, <laughs> excuse me, through your Holy Spirit, now as we study together, in Jesus' name, amen. All right, let's go into our groups for 20 minutes.